all she knew was what she knew, how to make great products, how they were, she knew how they were different and she knew how to get out there, roll up her sleeves and, and, and sell it. Um, but she really didn't know how to market it. Welcome to Monday Mornings with Michelle, the new business podcast. Whether you're kicking off your day or kickstarting your business, Michelle is going to kick your ass into next week with the essential fours. Strategy, systems, support, and state of mind. Now, welcome to center stage, Michelle Nedelec. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I'm super glad that you're here with us today because I have my amazing guest, John, on the show for you. John, thank you so much for being here today. Awesome. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So give everybody the 5,000-foot view of who you are and what you love to do. Sure. Name again is John Bertino. I'm a, the founder and CEO of a company called The Agency Guide. Uh, we're based out of Philadelphia with a satellite office in San Diego. We, uh, we're a unique marketing consultancy, to say the least. Um, the overview would be that there's, there's five of us on the tag team. We go by tag. And each one of us has at least a decade, if not a couple of decades of uh, marketing experience behind us. We're meeting and consulting with brands, Michelle, typically pro bono, um, meaning no costs in an effort to guide them into what marketing channels they should be investing in and why, what reasonable phasing or rollout of those marketing channels could or should look like and why what reasonable investments in those channels would look like and why. And essentially, if and when we're aligned on these things, we look to match make them with one of about 200 or so different marketing teams, agencies, consultants that we represent. So we're kind of like a marketing agency matchmaker. And we're doing that all, again, generally speaking at no charge, of course, because we're compensated by the agencies we represent. Um, but one final point on that would be that um, because we only make revenue if and when that brand chooses to hire one of the teams we represent, which means our incentives are very much in alignment with theirs. There's nothing we want more than for them to love the team we recommend and hire them. And it, it pays off for us if they stay there. So, you know, we're trying to create lasting relationships between brands and marketing agencies that stand the test of time. Nice. I love that. So when you're working with a company and they're looking at doing some branding, what kind of things should they have prepared for you before that meeting? Branding. Uh, well, when it relates to branding, that's that Anything. usually, <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so branding projects typically flow through my business partner, but what I can say is that, you know, we're, we are interested in trying to understand why, what's the catalyst, like a why now when it comes to the brand, it can really help us get to the heart of, um, you know, how to approach the initiative and also whether or not they actually do need branding versus just design. I'd say when we do get asked about branding, that's one of the first things we're trying to get to the bottom of. Um, again, you know, how much is this really about kind of reassessing a brand's core DNA, their messaging and values and brand pillars versus just um, a good looking refresh? Um, but the way we approach other types of marketing requests would be would be would be different from that. So, you know, let me know if you want me to touch on some of those. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. 
So a common need or ask that I get, or I should say something that flows through myself personally at TAG would be inquiries surrounding, you know, SEO, for example, or, um, or content marketing that tends to be where my background's concentrated. Um, and in, I think your question was, you know, what should they maybe prepare ahead of time? Mm-hmm. Um, well, what, what we look to do for every brand that we come across is, is first try to get to the bottom of, of like, well, what's wrong with your current situation? So a lot of folks are coming to us because they're disenfranchised with their current agency they've, or they've been burned in the past, or maybe they're just inexperienced with hiring a marketing consultant and would really appreciate some third-party perspective on who to hire, why, and you know what they should hire them for. So those are the types of things we're really trying to get to the bottom of and unearth. Um, and through that process, we're asking a lot about um, you know current marketing team infrastructure. Um, so uh, current personnel that they have either working for them full time or contracted. Um, that's an area that really helps us to get a more complete picture of what's actually going on from a marketing perspective and bring resources to the table that are going to be a true complementary fit and not just redundant. And then from there, we ask a lot of questions about things like, um, for example, are you know are you funded, right? And that might seem like uh, a question that's ultimately trying to get to the bottom of, of, of dollars available. And I guess to some extent, we do want to know that. But that actually ends up being really key uh, because we're trying to understand, all right, what stage of growth is this business in? How mature is it? And, you know, are you, if you're a bootstrapped business, that goes a lot into your kind of temperament and patience that you could, well, that we can expect you'll have with a marketing agency versus, none. yeah, right. I mean, look, I mean, yeah, let's just call a spade a spade, right? Like for, 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 for small or bootstrap businesses, the, the, again, the, the temperament and patience they're going to have is going to be radically different than a company that's funded. And so they're going to look at that entire gauge engagement so much differently. Um, so that's something we try to really flush out and understand about them and, and, and a a litany of other questions from how they got started to what type of marketing technology they have in place to, you know, what is their past experience been with an agency and on and on and on. All these things are ultimately what help us create, um, successful client marketing agency relationships. Nice. Love that. So is there any particular size or stage of company that you prefer to work with, that you love to work with? Sure. So the short answer is no, not necessarily, but I do think I can rein that in a bit for you. Um, to start, part of the charm in what we're doing here is, is that we represent, as I mentioned, a portfolio of about 200 teams. And across those 200 teams, they really do come in all different shapes, sizes, vertical expertise, parts of the country, in some, in some respects, parts of the world. Um, so again, part of the charm is, you know, kind of regardless of your situation, we probably have a partner, a vetted partner that's likely to be a good fit. Having said that, I would say we spend most of our time working with brands that are somewhere from on the lowest end, about half a million in revenue, somewhere between half a million and 1 million up to about a hundred million. So a million to a hundred million is kind of our sweet spot. And that might sound pretty broad and I suppose it is, but 
you know, when it comes to really large enterprise brands, not that we haven't worked with them, we've worked with some pretty significant brands, even a couple billion dollar companies. Um, but a lot of times they might feel more comfortable or competent to source the agency on their own. They might feel less inclined to hear our perspective and expertise on the various marketing channels. But even with some of those really big brands, one, I've been fascinated how lean their marketing teams can be. Lean is a nice way of saying small. <laughs> and and two, yeah, right. That that can happen too. Yeah. There are it's there are some brands, large brands that have very little allocated in terms of a marketing budget. And it can be absolutely shocking. Um, but the other thing I was going to say is even in some of these big brands, um, sometimes their marketing team will be kind of weighted towards one end of the marketing spectrum. And what I mean by that is like they'll have maybe a lot of brand know-how, creative know-how, messaging know-how, but they'll be very weak on the digital side of things. We're very weak when it comes to SEO or any specific area where, again, we can kind of jump in, assign the team member from our squad that can... Uh, most intelligently speak to their pain points and then match them with an agency that's really niche and boutique for that specific need. Nice. I love that. So let's go back and talk about some of the cost of being burned because <laughs> I know that a lot of people go, oh no, I'm just going to hire the cheapest one and <laughs> I'll train them on what I need to know. Uh, it's bane of my existence because I'm like, that's going to hurt you more than it's going to hurt me. It's like getting into a fight and somebody pours gasoline on themselves it's like, well, do you want me to watch you burn or like, where are we going with this? But um, talk to me about that, because I think a lot of entrepreneurs get stuck thinking that, you know, it's just a better way to go. Yeah, my goodness. If nothing else, please do not just gravitate towards the lowest expensive option in marketing. And I say that in the most genuine and unbiased way. Um, there's plenty of solutions out there that their whole model is to be as inexpensive as possible to, to prey on folks that kind of seek that out. Um, and at risk of being cliche, but I'm going to do it anyway. You get what you pay for, uh, in the marketing world, you really do. Um, so, so certainly one thing I would recommend when, when trying to assess teams is, is don't just look for the lowest price option. What often comes at a sacrifice of, of cost, right? In order for teams to agencies, and I should actually clarify that the term agency, I use it loosely. Everybody uses it loosely these days, right? An agency can be, technically could be one person, but usually it's two or more. Um, but a, a lot of agencies are quite small and a lot of the agencies we represent are quite small and that's intentional and by design. So anyway, I was starting to say that, um, Usually when an agency, air quotes, um, you know, is is very low price, there's 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 certain things that they're sacrificing to do that, right? One might be the equality of the account managers. So so if it is a fairly sizable team, we'll define sizable as I don't know, 25 or more employees. Um, and and they're you know surprisingly low priced, one of the areas they might be making sacrifices is in the seniority of their account managers. Um, that's a unfortunately fairly common thing I see where, you know, on paper, the agency has lots of impressive clients, lots of impressive skill sets, their salespeople really talk the talk, and yet they're surprisingly inexpensive. Why? A lot of times it's the, again, seniority of the account managers. Um, another thing that often uh, is sacrificed in order to become low cost is like strategy acumen. 
right? Which I suppose is similar, but different from my former point, right? Like, so, and, and this would be something I would recommend that um, brands, um, those looking to hire an agency really dig into is how much is the agency they're chatting to equipped to do both strategy and execute. And again, that's one of these things where you kind of go, well, well, shouldn't they all be equipped to do that? Mm, you know, not, not necessarily. Some agencies are built to execute and not really to strategize. And that's just their model. The unfortunate thing is a lot of times they're not as honest about that as they should be. Um, but 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 that's the fact of the matter. So again, I think if you're if 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 where you're deficient as the brand is with strategy, um, then you then you should be extra careful actually not to hire the lowest price option because there's a really good chance that that strategic component is what's being sacrificed. And I'll I'll compare that um, to. Um, uh, a brand actually that has, we kind of referenced this earlier, some of the larger brands have some good seasoned senior team members with marketing where they're often deficient is actually their ability to execute. So maybe they have a CMO or a small marketing leadership team, but what they don't have is bodies to execute menial tasks like social media posts or blogger outreach or things like that. Well, maybe all they need is a team that's weighted on the execution side. And that comes back to the types of stuff we're trying to unearth to create great and efficient matches. Right, and I love that. And it speaks volumes to me. And I think one of the reasons why tactical agencies don't advertise that way is because the majority of the market out there needs strategy and tactics, um, but it is more expensive. Um, And just to dig into that for a little bit, just so that people understand the difference is to me, and I'd like you to correct me if I'm wrong or in whatever ways you, you disagree with me, which is totally cool, is a tactical agency is one that a, um, a strategist would hire and say, okay, I need these posts put out every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, they need to be this size, they need to be this, whatever, this is the look, this is a brand, here, go do this, do you have any questions? And they just do that thing over and over and over and over again. And that's what they do. And they go, Hey, I'm done. And that's the feedback you get. Whereas a strategy and tactical agency will say, okay, this is, you want to do a three day event. We're going to need you to do the promotion emails. We're going to need you to do this. We're going to need you to do that. We're going to need this. Do you have this in place? And do you have that in place, which is much more of a partnership arrangement and the agency is almost in charge of making sure that none of the balls are dropped as opposed to, the brand itself, if you want to refer to it that way. Yeah. You know, strategy is one of these things, one of these terms that's a bit of a black box. (laughs) Very nebulous. And there's a huge spectrum. It's an entire rainbow unto itself. And most people don't realize that either. Bingo, bango. You, you nailed it, Michelle. Nebulous is a great word for it. Unless you kind of like you've been there again, you have a lot of marketing experience then you can, you can break it down. But for a lot of small businesses, even if they're savvy business people, if they're not marketers, it's it, it, there's another uh, pro tip is break down and dig into what the agency means when they tell you strategy, you know, quick side story, my first agency, which was, which was not a great one. It's how I got my feet wet. Um, they they start they started putting strategy on their proposals as a way to 
inflate the cost of the of the scope of work and basically give themselves a cushion for all the things they were getting wrong and to figure things out on the fly. And they would put that as strategy on the proposal, right? <laughs> right. Version of <laughs> it's a, well, yeah, right. We're we're gonna figure we're gonna learn your industry on the fly and call it strategy. So so anyway. <laughs> That's a true story. Um, you're, you're quite, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Diana. Oh, don't get me started on those guys. So, um, your, your question was, um, um, kind of like, Please, let's get started. I love those tangents. And to me, those yeah. are the learning ones. Those are the ones that people listening in on are like, Oh my God, that was awesome. Yeah. Well, there's a, okay. So maybe we'll circle back to that. I, yeah, I, I think speaking of tangents, I think your question was actually essentially like, how would one break down or deduce really like what, what really the strategy is or when, or when it's not important. Per when, you se. Want a, when you want a tactical agency and when you want a strategy right. and tactic or just strategy agency. So it's like, you know, there are definitely situations, as I started to allude to earlier, where sometimes a tactical is all you need for certain things. I'll give you a great example. Um, uh, 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 blogger outreach, right? Um, so, so sometimes like, so blogger outreach is, it has a number of different functions, but one of them is as part of your SEO initiative, right? Uh, there's lots of facets that go into SEO, but eventually you're going to have to, there's going to be a time where you're going to have to do a lot of blogger outreach to, to reach out to blogs or publishers and try to get them to pay attention to you. Um, yes, there's a degree of strategy that goes into this, right? But not like a 5k per month recurring line item worth of strategy, right? Right. It's like, okay, maybe there needs to be a couple hours of initial upfront strategy to figure out exactly what their approach is going to be. But a lot of those agencies that specialize in it will actually roll in the air quote strategy pro bono for you is just part of what they do. And then they'll go out and they'll start executing and executing is writing emails built off of templates that are semi custom to bloggers to try to get them to link to you book you pay attention to you whatever it is. And so there's an example again, where like you, the strategy can become a bunch of nonsense. It's really about getting shit done. Pardon my pardon my New Jersey. I'll give you another great example, actually. Um, is actually social media, and boy, is this a a a a a, 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 a not <laughs> a knot that we could untangle and talk about for hours, right? I, I can feel and hear the pent up frustration with that one. Yeah, and I, you probably know where I'm going with this as one marketer to another. Love it. So if I could kind of um, if bear with me, I'll give you a very relevant story to this tactical versus execution here. Absolutely. We get asked all the time about organic social media, which has got to be one of the trickiest um, marketing services to place, be largely because, or one of the key reasons is, is people's expectations of what they're getting for what they pay for it and the type of results they're going to get out of that. So anybody that's really been down the organic social media road knows, you know, this stuff really takes time and it not only takes time to produce content, but to actually get people to engage with it. Two very different things, and the latter is much harder than the former. It's one thing to produce it. It's another thing to get engagement and people that care about it and all of these things, right? So, uh, I, you know, a lot of times when we get asked about organic social, the expectation is, you know, hey, look, like organic social uh, on the surface is easy, right? Like posting to Facebook is easy. Posting to Twitter is easy. How hard could it be to churn out some graphics from Canva, you know, and have somebody resize them for a couple different platforms and voila, that's organic social media, right? Well, 
technically okay. That's somebody managing your platforms, if you want to call it that, and posting crap there. And yes, like what I've just described shouldn't cost a lot of money or take a tremendous amount of time, but that's not going to really produce any results or any engagement or any of the things you're actually hoping for, right? That is kind of just the tactical execution of social media, right? Producing graphics, sizing them, literally posting to platforms, tactical execution, the strategy ends up being a huge part of what makes social media work. What type of content are we going to create and why? For whom? How are we going to message it differently? How should we be reaching this one audience via this platform versus this other audience on these other platforms? And even if we say what that what they want to hear and reach them in the right places, is that going to furnish engagement? What's the strategy to actually get people to engage with this stuff? And last but not least, how do we make the content beautiful and visually stunning and actually appealing? And when you start to talk about social media from that perspective, it's really a content marketing content marketing initiative that is executed via social media channels you know, that's a much more expensive, much more time consuming engagement. And a lot of people don't see it that way. And so to come all the way back to your question, you know, that's an example of social media execution, posting to channels, easy, not that expensive. Social media strategy with great content, totally different ball of wax and probably three, four five times the price, if not more than that. Mm. And I, I think it's a hugely important conversation because I think as marketers, we get it and we're going, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that's worth 200 bucks, that's worth 2000 that's worth 20000 And I don't think that people that are in the industry have that capacity to be able to see the difference. It's like, well, you're just putting stuff on social media, aren't you? <laughs> well, yes, <Yeah>. but. <laughs> One will right. get you some results, the other will cost you money. <laughs> that's right. That's a huge, huge difference and a huge um when it comes to budgeting, and I think a lot of people, too, get afraid or don't understand um, the rules and regulations, if you want to call them that, internally for, say, Facebook, for YouTube, for what you can post, what you can't post, what they want to see, what they don't want to see. Uh, just bad practices from, you know, in the 80s, I read this book, and this is how we do the websites. And it's like, yeah, you don't want to do that anymore. That, that will get you shut down real fast. Um, and they don't realize, too, how fast those rules and regulations are changing. Because once upon a time, it was like, you know, you could do something for a decade. Now you're lucky if you can do it for six months. That's right. I mean, at the very least, you want your team that's, you know, if we're talking social media, you want the team that's going to execute on your behalf to know the, the lay of the land, the rules of the different platforms. And to your point, like that's actually easier said than done. These, these platforms are always tweaking, changing. Um, and so there's a fair amount that goes into that. And, but, you know, unfortunately clients kind of, they don't want to pay a premium for you to know how to execute on the platforms that you claim to execute Just on. Just don't right? shut us down. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> That'd be great. That's, that's really par for the course at the end of the day. Awesome. So go over, if you will, the spectrum of the products and services that you offer. What kind of things can people go to you for and get your expertise on? Sure. So once again, we're, we're pretty diverse and, you know, pretty broad in the realm of areas where we can help brands out. So yes, in general, if they're just looking for more reliable marketing, 
a qualify, a vetted team, someone that's going to be a good fit. And they want to try to expedite that grueling process of interviewing agencies and sifting through their jargon to determine who they really are and what they're about. We're probably a good team to call. Having said that, there are a few areas where I would say we're better equipped in the realm of marketing than others, or maybe more aptly said, our agency roster is a little bit deeper and our personal expertise is a little stronger. So we do and consult on a lot of projects related to SEO, content marketing, inbound marketing, which similar to content marketing, but by my definition, a little bit different. Um, Branding for sure. Um, uh, we do a lot of projects related to digital ad buys, helping brand source agencies that know Facebook ad management, uh, certainly Google ad management, but these days also often having a lot of conversations around TikTok for sure, um, Pinterest for sure, Snapchat doesn't come up that often, but we've got agencies that do it. And affiliate uh, marketing and influencer marketing are also areas where we're fielding quite a few inquiries. Um, I could go on and on, but I'd say anything underneath those large headers are also areas where we where we support a lot, like certainly link building, um, content uh, production, whether it's video or audio or written. These are all areas where that we know quite well and have a pretty deep roster of partners to refer them to. Awesome. Let's get into the semantics of content marketing versus inbound. <laughs> well, <coughs> excuse me. I guess I, I only got into the habit of kind of drawing a bit of a, a difference there because of my years teaching on the subject at Drexel. And then I found and I found that the kind of the overarching header of content marketing was a bit broad and a bit nonspecific and can kind of throw some people off the scent. So I would say that any act of creating content that you think your audience wants to see and pushing it through pushing it out there, namely through social media, is it, that's content marketing. You're creating something people want to see, you're pushing it out there. Whereas I would say, or define inbound marketing as there's, I guess your difference between execution and strategy, the inbound marketing is much more strategic in its approach to that. So less about create it and blast it out, much more about what are we creating and why, who are we trying to message to and why, what platforms are we trying to use to get to that individual and why? And then, of course, thinking through their uh, quote unquote buyer's journey or your your funnel and how we're moving those different buyers through that funnel ultimately to some point of conversion. And then, of course, there's all that post-conversion um, content that we need to think through in terms of retention and brand advocacy and things like this. Nice. So talk to me about your opinion of project management or CMO. Um, because I personally find this conversation fascinating um, with there's just a diverse amount of opinions and I think a lot of them have a lot of merit um, I don't know if any one of them is right particularly because it totally depends on the business it depends on what they want to objective to there's so many factors into it um, because obviously if I was a company and I go okay that all sounds great I want SEO I want content marketing I want brandy I want uh, digital buys, I want affiliate marketing, link building. Like, yeah, absolutely. I want all that stuff. So uh, who manages this and how do we orchestrate that? Who's the conductor? Well, I love this question because it plays so well with our prior discussion, actually, about 
strategy and execution. This is apparently becoming the the theme of today's discussion. <laughs> I'm a strategist. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, that's great. <laughs> so um, let's see, how do I, how do I concisely answer that? I would start by saying that um, this is definitely a good example of the type of thing we're trying to sniff out when we talk to brands, right? So for example, they'll say, hey, look, we really need uh, agency support with SEO and content marketing. Okay, great. So who's your CMO? We don't have one. Okay, who's your marketing manager? Uh, it's me, the CEO by default, because we don't have one. So I'm going to be your point of contact. And while on the surface, there's nothing like technically wrong with that. I get it. You're the CEO You want you want and you like marketing and you want to have your hands in it. Um, what needs to be said, and I think this is what you're alluding to, Michelle, is that if you don't have someone on your team that can really pay a lot of attention to what's happening, then you're going, well, A, the relationship's probably going to suffer, but B, you really need that agency to satisfy that strategic role for you versus if you're a small business um, but you're kicking ass, taking some names, you're growing, and you have a dedicated marketing person that understands SEO, they just can't be responsible for doing it all, then we have to worry less, again, about the strategy necessarily coming from the agency. The, the CMO essentially can help offset the strategy in many different ways. And so to kind of distill that down to its least common denominator and say it much more concisely, if if you don't have a CMO or dedicated marketing contact on your team, then you're going to need to rely on this, the agency 100% for all the strategy. And that can be dangerous because who's also going to play checks and balances with them. Whereas if you do have a savvy emphasis on the savvy CMO person on your team, I think you can get away a little bit more with the agency just kind of doing light strategy and then just focusing on the execution because you have a seasoned marketer on your team that can kind of backfill and become that person for you. So did that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely it did. And in my brain, it's turning 5,000 miles an hour. I'm going, well, is there a difference to you between say a retail outlet, a service outlet and say a speaker? So in, in my brain, I'm going, a retail outlet has a store. You have to come to the store. You have to come see my stuff, but I need to market online. A service one, say a law, a law office, is, well, we can advertise outside, but, you know, you're really coming to us in the end of the day. And then you have a speaker who's going out to people and finding them and going, hey, here's my thing, come on back in. I see those as three different marketing um, styles, if you will, but you may not. So how do you, how do you, um, is there a difference between those and is there any nuances that they should be taking into account if there is? An interesting breakdown. I hadn't thought about it through that lens myself, but what kind of jumps out as you talk it through is just the value or importance of a story. And from my perspective, I think that's always key. It's just can be harder with some brands to kind of flush out than others. Certainly with, um, you know, any type of commodity product, um, you know, that that's undifferentiated on the surface, getting, getting down to the heart of their, their why as Simon Sinek likes to say, or, um, what Donald Miller understanding, you know, where, um, understanding where they, they are, are, are differentiated and what their kind of core brand values are that 
that ends up being a key differentiator in trying to um, market against all the other uh, products and services, the Me Too products and services that are out there. So I would encourage every every brand or company uh, to to really try to suss out what makes them different and tell their story in a concise and effective way. Nice, love that. So can you give us an example of a Cinderella story of yours? One of your clients that was <laughs> rags to riches, so to speak, or messed up to cleaned up, whatever. Yeah, sure. Uh, let's see. What's a good one? Um, so, okay. So there was a, um, there, there's a, a company we dealt with recently that was, uh, it's a very small business that was actually doing like soaps and candles. And I almost hesitate to tell this story because, um, you know, when it first came across my desk, I said, you know, these companies can be very hard to, to do effective work for, to help them outsource to third-party marketing agencies and, and have a good relationship, right? Um, in other words, it was a small business. Uh, and, um, so how many of you like eating shoestring? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's how we're getting paid. <laughs> yeah, right. That's yeah. right. That was my initial reaction, you know? And I guess that's why I bring it up is that, you know, when we really got to the heart of it, there's a couple of different lessons I learned from this one. Firstly, um, not to judge a book by its cover, because once I did unearth, you know, what was really going on with this to our prior discussion, she was actually quite differentiated. Um, some of the ingredients that she was using uh, related to tallow, for example, um, were, were quite unique and had some really interesting aspects to it. And so again, like we were just talking about, once I saw that there was something really, truly unique about this, my, she caught my attention. Next turns out there, her sales were, were really solid, you know, while she was kind of doing your classic thing of going to, um, you know, uh, local craft shows and fairs and stuff. Uh, she was having quite a bit of sales and some good repeat volume. But um, again, I think in alignment with some things we've been talking about, you know, all she knew was what she knew, how to make great products, how they were, she knew how they were different and she knew how to get out there, roll up her sleeves and, and, and sell it. Um, but she really didn't know how to market it. And so this was a great example of um, going out and finding an agency that was comfortable working with small businesses, but very competent um, and was able that has a specific kind of CMO offering as part of their, as part of their offering. They'll literally, um, you know, allocate a dedicated individual to be a full-time strategist. Um, recognizing that she needed that because without it, you know, there wouldn't be that individual to oversee things and ultimately getting her with a team that's really, that's really kicking ass for her and they're, they're, they're servicing the account full service. So that one stands out in a number of ways, but it was kind of, um, you know, to me, it was a lesson in not judging a book by its cover, because once I really dug in there, I saw that she was doing she was doing great things. And I do just want to repeat that that's probably like the smallest example of companies that we've had success with. But maybe that's why it's one that I'm really proud of. Nice. I love that. So what are some of the stumbling blocks that somebody might be having listening to this going, oh, my God, John, I need you so badly? <laughs> Yeah, I would definitely say that folks that we have a kind of couple different types of audiences that tend to be a really good fit. 
Uh, one would be anybody that feels like they've been just burned in the past and they're absolutely sick and tired of agencies that really don't know what they're doing or that just talk a big talk and then don't deliver. We take great pride in helping businesses like that out and taking the time to understand them per my prior story, getting to know them and really helping them find reliable support. That's one type of audience. Another would be um, uh, someone that just feels kind of either inexperienced or too busy, right? They're, they're not kind of um, confident in themselves to do this agency sourcing process on their own, again, because they just don't know what they don't know, or they're too darn busy to give it the right amount of attention. Those are both great situations where we can add tremendous value. And last but not least, I would say any business owner or team that likes to source partners based on relationships. And you might say like, well, who doesn't? But you know, there's a lot of business owners that will go like choose their marketing agency out of a directory, right? <laughs> you know, yeah, sure. And you know, a lot of these, a lot of these like marketing directories, I hate to say it or paint with a broad brush, but like generally speaking, there's some type of pay to play happening behind the scenes. There's a subscription fee they're paying or, you know, they're taking that guy out to the owner out to dinner. Who knows what it is, but rarely are. So this actually brings up a great point that as we kind of wind down on. I love that good, you get riled. Uh, you see me <laughs> getting worked awesome. up over here. I, I've got a lot of passion in, in for what we do over here. That's awesome. Um, uh I was talking about the directories and part yep. of the problem with this directory model of sorting agencies by air quotes, best to air quotes, worst, or whatever it is, I guess just the best. There is no bad. There's just good and better and best, right? <laughs> part of the problem with this model is that um, one man's garbage kind of really can be another man's gold in this world. Now, look, don't get me wrong. Some agencies are just awful and I built a business around helping you avoid them. And if you want to avoid them, give me a call. But for everybody else that's not awful, um, sometimes it's, it's a lot of times it's not about necessarily if the agency's quote good or bad, it's about whether they're good or bad for you. Um, you know, which again, that strategy course we talked about can be a big piece of that. Um, the expectations on communication can be a big part of that. Like some agencies will get a bad rap as being bad or terrible or as an awful engagement because, you know, they weren't available by phone 24 seven for the client and note to clients, if you're expecting your agency to be available 24 seven by phone, like it's not going to happen. And obviously I'm exaggerating, but like even once uh, a day, really. yeah, I mean, <laughs> no, <laughs> right, I've you, seen people who expect that. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. No, and there are like, no marketing emergencies at two in the morning. I guarantee it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we had one, the client was upset that the agency didn't get back to them over the weekend. And I was just, you know, they're a business too with employees anyway. So, but so, right. So those are the types of expectations we're trying to, to go through. Um, another example of like, it's about chemistry and not necessarily good or bad would be this idea of like, does the agency take time to inform and educate and talk through things? Look, some agencies don't have the time to do that, right? They want a savvier, more mature client that they don't have to hold their hand through like every little thing they're doing and explain why it's important. And that's just the way they are. And that's the clients that they're a good fit for. On the other hand, 
some clients really need that. If you're not taking the time to right, educate them and, and, and if the agency is not going to, you know, just be there for them to talk through all these things mean, then, then the agency is not a good fit and vice versa. And I could give you another 10 examples of this, but these are the things ultimately we look for when creating great matches. Nice. Have you ever thought of doing like a workshop for agencies on how to articulate exactly who they're looking for so Mm. that they're not getting those wrong fits? Because there are so many, so many aspects that you've hit. And, and I think it's, almost more important for the business to know who they want to attract as their client, certainly than it is up to the client to figure out, you know, who am I and how do I fit in your realm of the world? Oh, man. (laughs) I just know I need somebody. Can you tell, like, am I a good fit for you or not? Like, really? (laughs) It's it's so true. Um, You know, on my list of things to kind of look out for when hiring an agency, one of them is, quote, unquote, full service because that means they do everything they do it well and they do it in every industry and so in general i'm not a huge believer there are some teams that pull this off there really are or at least in large part and we even represent a few teams that actually are fairly full service across lots of different niches but boy i'll tell you it's hard to find them more often than not to your point michelle the best agencies are fairly narrow and fairly niche, not just in terms of what they offer and the industries they do it in, but again, to your point, to who they will do it for. So when we're looking to add new agencies to our partner roster, we really like agencies that know how to say no. I often get asked, John, how do we become part of your partner roster? Pro, one of the, the number one thing I look for is, do you know when to say no to a client? Because that goes a long, long way in making sure that your the clients you choose to take on are happy with you and vice versa. Oh, absolutely. And there's so many nuances to this. Like just as an example, we don't um, time track our people. We, we just don't. The question is always, did the job get done? Yes, great. Does the client know it? Yes, great. Okay, good. Move on. Because there's just so much going on that I don't want them wasting admin time. You know, did they hit the button? Did you not hit the button? Did you go back here? They're techies. They're super good at what they do. And when their brain gets into something, it is like they don't hear the world around them. They don't get disturbed. They're just in their own little capsule doing their work and doing their job. And that's where they sing. So, I mean, that to me doesn't make us a bad um, agency. Unless you really want to manage that time and know, you know, you, are you printing off your P&Ls every month? Are you, do you know exactly what your expenses are for everything of everything? We are not a good fit for you. That is right. not going to happen. <laughs> so we'll give you a bill at the end of the month and all the stuff that's in, you know, Facebook Messenger got done. <laughs> that's probably not what your accountant wants to hear. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a great example of, you know, and, and some brands might say, oh my goodness, can you believe it? They weren't tracking time, but you have a really good reason why. Um, and, you know, those, those new nuances like that can ultimately be um, the things that can, can blow up a relationship. And so if you're upfront about that from the beginning and to your, you know, like we've been saying clear on who is a good fit and who isn't, you help save both sides of the equation, a lot of headaches. 
right? Well, exactly. I mean, if you're that type of personality that you need those things, then go find those things. That's totally cool. Somebody out there does it. That's <laughs> my point. And therein lies, I think, one of the ways that we're a tremendous value add because trying to sniff out what agencies do and <laughs> right? don't time track. Don't go is, that way. Just go straight to John. Just come straight to me. <laughs> right. I've got it stored in my CRM. I already know who does that. Nice. I love that. So on that note, I know that our listeners are going to want to get a hold of you. How do they start their journey with you? Sure. So our website is www.theagencyguide.com. We did rebrand from the agency guy after seven years of being the guy. We're now the guide. guide. Wow, yes. you've grown. Good for you. That's it. We've grown. <laughs> <laughs> so agencyguide.com. And, and frankly, you know, uh, feel free to email me, John with the H uh, at theagencyguide.com. Nice. He actually answers his own email. Can you believe that? That was awesome. So, John, you're, you've been awesome. I love it. Thank you for uh, humoring me, <laughs> taking us down those rabbit holes when I take you there. Uh, I know your time is valuable, but I do have to ask you this. At what point in life did you know that you were a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an <laughs> entrepreneur? How much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> As you noticed, I don't give short answers to anything. Um, I think I realized that I was unhirable after I got hired at my first job. Does that answer your question? <laughs> was that like McDonald's or what are you talking here? What, uh, well, I meant my first job out of college, which actually ah. was, was at uh, EMI, um, which is fun to talk about capital and Virgin Records. Hence the signed Dean Martin, Dean Martin plaque above my head with my name on it. Uh, I did, yeah, I did a fun stint in the music industry. But pretty quickly, you know, with a career, I was like, oh, I have to answer to people and do what they want me to do. <laughs> That's not going to work. So, yeah. So pretty much day one. Wow. <laughs> That's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I might be exaggerating by a couple months, but, but not really. Oh, I love it. Any last words for our peeps? No, other than, look, um, there's a lot to be said about... Uh, not just finding an agency that's competent and gets the job done and is experienced, but really is actually going to be a good fit for you. You're going to like working with them. You're going to respect their team. You're going to feel like comfortable and believe in them doing good work for you. And that stuff can be really hard to figure out through the sales process. So let us help you. Uh, we can make things a lot more efficient. We don't charge a dime for it. And we take great pride in what we do. So we'd love to help you find your next agency. Love it. Awesome. This is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being with us here today. If you know anyone that would make a great guest for the show, if you have a question or topic you'd like me to discuss, reach out to me at michelle at awarenessstrategies.com or connect with me on LinkedIn or Facebook. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to our show. I'm all about being a resource center for entrepreneurs to give them the information and the support that they need to make it in business. As such, the notes for this show can be found at our website at awarenessstrategies.com slash blog. Be sure to subscribe, give us a rating, I like five stars personally, and share with your friends.